Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pages Unknown, the podcast dedicated to all things bookish and nerdy. My name is Zachariah, and I will be joined, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Michaela. Say hi, Michaela. Hi, Michaela. As a reminder, new episodes of Pages Unknown air every Wednesday. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, and TikTok to get notified for our new episodes. If you like what you hear, please give us a quick rating. Thanks, y'all. For this week's episode, we read Happy Place, the newest book by Emily Henry. We were really quick with this one, guys. It came out five days ago as the time we were recording this. It literally, literally has just arrived on everyone's doorstep. And I'm super excited to talk about it because I am a big Emily Henry fan. For this book, we follow recently dumped Harriet as she travels to Maine for her friend group's annual trip. Harriet has yet to tell her friends that her ex-fiance, Wynne, broke up with her five months ago, despite them being the seemingly perfect couple. She's using this trip as an opportunity to finally tell her closest friends, until she walks in and sees said ex-fiance waiting for her in the house that holds most of her favorite memories with her favorite people. It's her happy place. She learns that this is the last summer they're going to be spending in this house all together, and in an effort not to ruin this last trip, the two of them are carrying on the ruse and pretending to still be together. Now, it should be easy after 10 years of dating, but Harriet still has so many unanswered questions for Wynne. He seems to have his own lingering feelings for her. Not to mention that their friend group seems to have some unresolved tension of its own. Zachariah, you know this. I have read all of Emily Henry's mm -hmm. books. Book Lovers is my favorite. But this was your first experience with an Emily Henry book. Can you tell me a little bit about what your feelings were going into it and maybe if they changed or didn't change as you read it? Absolutely. So yes, this is my first Emily Henry book. I had been meaning to read People You Meet on Vacation or People We Meet on Vacation, I believe is what it's called. I keep having that recommended to me, not just by you, but a couple of other of my friends are like, hey, have you read this? Once they found out we had a podcast, they started asking me about all the books that they were reading. <laughs> I thought that this was going to be something else, I think, entirely. I'm not really going to blame the marketing because there's romance in here. Absolutely. I think I just thought it was going to be something else. When I finally figured out like what was really going on, number one, I was unhappy. I was unhappy <laughs> because I found myself being very invested in this relationship that I had no information about, right? We only get this information through the, there's two different timelines in the book, right? Every other chapter is a flashback, mm -hmm. kind of describing how they first got together and all these things. And so I didn't have any information, you know, really going into this book at all, besides the fact that the setup, the main character who we'll talk about later is from Indiana. I'm from Indiana. The main character feels like she has to be a perfectionist and make sure that everything is perfect and good. And maybe then people around her will be happy and they won't have so much anxiety. Mm -hmm. And as I'm reading that, I'm like, hmm, this is this is getting a little uh, this little personal, Emily. Uh, I'd like to have a conversation when I'm done with this book. And so I kept going, kept going. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs at this book. Just talk to each other. Just say anything. This is why I hate the miscommunication mm -hmm. trope. However, at the end of this book, I actually think this might be the first time that I've read it that I thought it was done well. Wow. I, I really believe that. And I, because I hate, I hate these tropes, you know, this miscommunication mm -hmm. trope. I absolutely hate it because like just use your words. Yeah. You just 
Just say what you mean. Anyway, with all the parallels to my life feeling like in some ways I am <laughs> Harriet, the main character, but also that I am Win in some instances, and occasionally I also felt like Sabrina sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, oh no. The combination of all these three things can tell you only one thing, and that is mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're going to get into it a little bit more, but low key, I felt personally attacked by things in this book. It was bringing up a lot of my own family kind of stuff mm -hmm. where, you know, I'm not going to speak on my parents' relationship at all, but my relationship with them and my family has always been like, let me help. Let me do this thing. Let me help solve these problems. Because very much like Harriet, my parents met when they were children and like my mom was 20 mm -hmm. when she gave birth to me, which is very, very young. Mm -hmm. And then they proceeded to have three more kids in the span of four years. Yeah. These people had their lives kind of taken from them and they gave up so much of their lives, just like it's talked about in this book. And Harriet feels, and I did for a long time feel this way, that I was like, I have to figure out how to do something that would not just benefit me, but benefit all of them. Taking care of them is not the right phrase, but doing something to make them feel like their sacrifices were worth it to them. And that's not fair to me or to them, really. Ooh. But anyway, Ooh. I, that's a lot in the very first three minutes of the podcast. Oh, uh, wow. I, know. I really, really, really enjoyed this book, despite a kind of my reservations about romance, second chance romances, and the miscommunication trope. But I did love this cover. It is bright. Oh, pink. I love it. I'm obsessed with this. Yeah, it's and the book, the hardcover is pink too. Some of them are, anyway, yeah. Michaela, as a fan of hers already, were you nervous about like this one being a dud or being too different to the other ones that you had read previously? So I did my best to stay away from reviews online uh, from people who I was very jealous of who were getting ARC copies of this book. Because I knew that there were going to be people saying, oh, it's not as good. It doesn't live up to the Emily Henry hype. It's bad. This is a dud, whatever, because that's what always happens. Wow. Always. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a, uh, this This is going to sound unrelated, so just follow me on this one. I'm a Fallout Boy fan. I have been for a really long time. I've listened to their music since Same. I was a kid. Yeah. Every single album that they ever put out was immediately met with people being like, it's shit. They sold out. You know, it's not the real Fallout Boy. Like people hated Fully Ado. And now it's one of like widely regarded as one of their best albums. So yeah, that experience of being a Fallout Boy fan has taught me not to listen to people who give their off the wall judgment. And I'm guilty of it too. When Midnight's by Taylor Swift came out, I listened to Karma and I was like, this is not good. And now I remember your reaction. It was not pleasant. I was I like, that I, I don't like this. I was like, I really don't like this. I think it's like me, but different. I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. I freely admit that karma is amazing. <laughs> but, you know. Karma is my boyfriend. Um, yes, and a cat or something. <laughs> but my point is that I know that first impressions can be very jarring. And so people will go air towards the negative uh, to kind of cover their own butts just in case people don't like it going forward. Mm -hmm. So I stayed away from that as best I could. And I'm so happy that I did. Because now having read this book and sort of digested it a little bit before we're going to discuss it, I loved it. It's a new favorite Emily Henry. Mm -hmm. Not even that. It's a new favorite book. I yeah. 
absolutely adored it. And it isn't because of the romance. The reason that I loved this book is we get so much about the intricacies of longstanding adult friendships. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I'm going through now. You know, I'm 28 years old. A lot of the friends I have in my life, I've had for a decade, if not longer. (laughs) Some of my friends I've known for almost 20 years. Your relationships with them change over time. I love the dynamic of how friendships grow and shift and change because it can be such a beautiful, positive thing, but it can also be really Mm -hmm. fucking hard and really fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, it's so hard. You know, to learn that people who you've known your whole life are hiding things from you or aren't communicating with you the way they used to. Mm. I, as I get older, you know, your groups, your friend groups change and they shift and people drop out and people join. And I think that it reminded me, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Stop. No, not. (laughs) Sorry. Not even 10 minutes in. No. (laughs) I know that feeling really well when you used to Mm -hmm. live in each other's pockets and now you see each other once a year. And it's heartbreaking. It's really, really hard. And I think it's one of the more poignant feelings that you'll feel throughout your life. Friendship breakups are brutal. And uh, Mm -hmm. I really, really resonated with it. You know, Zachariah, we've talked about this multiple times. This podcast brought us back together. You know, I know. And we so did, we weren't on a no, no, we no, no, no. A friendship no, breakup. No, no. We or weren't anything, fighting but... or anything like that. There was no none no. of that. But it's just life, life, man, and distance. So I just really resonated with the arc of watching these flashbacks of what their friend group was like, and now seeing what their friend group is like, and noticing the changes, noticing the places where it's starting to break apart because of the miscommunications, because they're not willing to really talk to each other. And I thought that that was uh, beautiful. I will say, Mm -hmm. as much as I love this overall book, Wynne is Mm -hmm. not my favorite Emily Henry man. I think. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So like that is something we'll we'll talk about that because I do want to introduce a quick roll call of our characters before I get too in depth into what I think about Wynne. Actually, um, I'm going to be I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you Good. because I, I just want to say how much I actually really appreciate the fact that this did give us like all this time and like, mm-hmm. you know, space to be together and talk about shit. Um, and when and when you talk about living in each other's pockets, we weren't just we were sharing pants at that point. Yeah. Like it, we were <laughs> we I mean, it was insane to think about every second of every because day. When, I was a returning student as a little bit older and I just, I came on this campus having not gone through really any orientation and at some point met you and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is my best friend. And this is, <laughs> it was nice. I don't know. I just wanted to make sure I said that before we got too far away yeah. from that little thought you had. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely circle back to it. Cause I kind of want to unpack all of these characters mm-hmm. and how they interact oh, yeah. with one another. So let's kick it off with our girl, Harriet, our main character who, like you said, Mm -hmm. struggles with people-pleasing, anxiety, perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Multiple times in the book, you see Harriet's thoughts, and the thought that she has is, if I could just get straight A's, I'd be happy. If I could just be a doctor, I'd be happy. If I could just do this thing perfectly, exactly right, oof, then everyone would be happy. (laughs) And... Oh, my God. I think that alone is such a recognized thought for a lot of people. I know that there are going to be people who didn't like this book because it was heavier and it was less about the romance. But that's exactly why I think 
the people who the people who get it get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? the people who get it. Now, Harriet is uh, in her residency to become a neurosurgeon. She puts a shit ton of pressure on herself to be exactly Mm -hmm. what her parents want her to be, what her friends want her to be. Everyone, basically, besides herself. She does not prioritize herself. Harriet is a character that I I actually really, really love. The way that she's written is like eldest child, like eldest daughter. And she is not the eldest daughter. Mm -hmm. So she has an older sister, Eloise, who really isn't a character in the book. Like she's in the book, but very passing kind of references to her or even like tiny text conversations that happen. Eloise was the child that was in, you know, Harriet's mom's belly at the wedding, right? Like they had a shotgun wedding. It's talked about. So she was kind of the oops. And then Harriet almost kind of feels like this is our chosen child. Mm-hmm. And, but, but Harriet is written as a character that is eldest, that kind of pressure, mm-hmm. but while being like the second child. So I think that was an interesting choice For by sure. Emily. I don't know what her birth order is, if that matters at all in this. But I think that that's a great point. And maybe yet another reason why I resonated so hard with this book, because I'm the baby of the family, mm-hmm. but I've never acted like mm-hmm. it. And so... Uh, I'm the eldest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So interesting. That's a good point. Then we have Wynne, who is the mm. ex-fiancé of Harriet. And Wynne struggles so much with depression and executive dysfunction and anxiety. And yet he has always mm. seen himself as a failure compared to his siblings. He f- sees himself as the fuck-up of the family, the black sheep. Yeah. And after his father passes, he basically shuts down. He cannot function. And he's almost trying to confirm all the negative thoughts that he's ever had about himself. And something that was a really important conversation that they had, and I I don't think this is a spoiler. If it is, Zach, we can cut this out. Okay. Wynn and Harriet are speaking to one another, and Wynn is talking about how he always felt like he was a failure. He always felt like he was fucking everything up, but that Mm -hmm. she was the thing that he got to brag about. He got to say that he was with her the wannabe neurosurgeon who crushes every part of her life by everyone else's standard, he got to say, she picked me. And that was like an accolade. And that was part of the reason they didn't work because he was putting her on a pedestal from day one. Mm -hmm. That, I know to have the self-awareness, to recognize that in yourself after a fucking breakup, dude, to be like, look, this is on me. I put you on a pedestal because I treated you like a trophy. I treated you like I... You were one of my successes. And that's not what yeah. that's not a good place to start a relationship. That like that whole scene was so brutal to me. Cause the raw honesty that they were exchanging, I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I've dated men that are kind of this attitude of win. However, none of them actually thought this. This is maybe the first time I've seen like a man like this who I've like believed. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's like, oh, like you're such a this, you're such a that, whatever. I'm so lucky to have. And in in reality, it was them kind of being egotistical in some way, right? I think Emily Henry has written an interesting character here. And one who I think that if straight men are to read this, maybe like, oh, 
maybe it's okay to express my feelings, but maybe I shouldn't have to move to Montana and take care of my mother to do yeah. it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, and I'm going to circle back here. The reason that I said that Wynn is not my favorite male character mm-hmm. is his immaturity triggers me. Mm. Like, Oh, interesting. Reading his, <laughs> it isn't anything really to do with him. It's just the experiences that I've had in my life with people, you know, with certain mm-hmm. men who have come and gone. They were the negative parts of Win without any of the growth. And mm. it was like, you know, reading about their past and seeing how he acts now, I was like, get me out, get me out, get me out. Eventually, obviously, <laughs> he grows on me because, you know, he recognizes his failings and he's able to communicate his feelings and all that kind of stuff. But at the beginning, I was like, get away from me. <laughs> I know who you are. I've seen who you are. I don't want to know anything else. So Emily Henry actually props to you for giving me a character like that mm-hmm. and then making me actually appreciate the things that he was doing. I will love Charlie from Book Lovers for the rest of my life. Mm. He's my number one favorite because Charlie would never. <laughs> Charlie bigs up the women in his life. Charlie hypes them all up. I I have absolutely no frame of reference at all. The only thing I want to say about Wynn, in addition to everything we've said, is on this cover, this man <laughs> has to be modeled after Prince Harry. There is no way that this that this man is not modeled specifically after him. It's just very... I, know. I don't know who Harriet is supposed to be modeled after. Maybe Gal Gadot. Harriet. Anyway, we can move on. But <gasps> Who'd I say? No, no, no. Harriet. And he looks like Prince Harry. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even thought about that. That's fun. Next character we have is a a throat punch of a character. Sabrina. Now, Mm Sabrina is like rich, rich. Sabrina is like old Mm -hmm. money rich. And she has a father who has remarried so many times that she has an extremely skewed view of relationships and an extreme sense of like codependency and real mm-hmm. attachment problems. I think it's this weird line, and I don't know how Emily Henry does it. I don't know how you write a character who is simultaneously codependent in a really bad way while also having commitment issues. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like that's crazy because she wants to be her, – her partner's name is Parth and Parth is trying to figure Sabrina out basically in this whole book. Sabrina is – uh, the worst parts of me. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I was reading so much of, like, her fear of commitment, but her need to constantly be near Parth and, like, her fear of him walking away, overriding any logic. She doesn't communicate. I know all these characters don't communicate with another one another. That's a theme. They all do it for different reasons. Sabrina's reason is fear. She's terrified of losing him. And because of that, she pushes him away. Yep. Absolutely. I, I, I don't even want to get too far into this because absolutely I feel she's got a nervous attachment style, mm-hmm. this Sabrina, right? I know what that feels like because I think I also have this. I crave closeness. And the second that somebody tries to do it, I'm like, how dare you give me what I want? <laughs> how dare you? And then you, I mean, if you talk about that, her father has been, I, th- I think you mentioned her father's been married many times. Mm-hmm. Is he on wife seven or something like that? It's outrageous. She's not really had good relationships, quote unquote, modeled like for her. Mm-hmm. But then also 
if you have a problem, you throw money at it. Right. And that's kind of what she's done, as you'll see, this entire trip. Yeah. No, it's true. She tries to push people to do what she wants by using experiences and money to get them to do it because that's what you've seen. She also never had really a positive female role model growing up, you know, and that really impacts the way that you view yourself and the way that you approach relationships. And so Sabrina was a brutal read. We have Parth. Parth is Sabrina's partner. He doesn't really get too much shined on him. I think that he would be an interesting character to get more from. Parth is Mm -hmm. kind of just this very steadying presence in her life. Actually, I think when he's introduced, like the first thing that you hear from him is Mm -hmm. a soothing laugh or a calm laugh. It's described as, Mm -hmm. I actually wish I could find it now. And that just embodies who he is. He seems like a very steadying presence, which is exactly what Sabrina needs. Then we have our lesbians. <laughs> the gays. I we stand. Cleo we stand. and Kimmy. Uh, Wait, le- before we even get into them, people were saying that this book had was like they were looking forward to reading this like gay book. Remember you were talking about yeah. this? Yeah. And I was like, uh, someone had filed it as an LGBT. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, listen, Emily Henry is absolutely an ally. We stand. But I don't know that this main character, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. And then I started reading I it. And I was comment like, on that. gay farmers. <laughs> Let's yes. go. She really said cottagecore. Here you go. I'm yeah. going to give it to you. <laughs> She's got, Cleo's got vegetables tattooed on her knuckles. <laughs> like, that's the vibe. <laughs> They're hiding their own things in this trip. I mean, everyone's got these crazy secrets. And it's so funny because as much as I do relate to these characters, like really negative traits, mm-hmm. I cannot picture a world in which like I broke up with my most recent partner with my current boyfriend and didn't tell you <laughs> like immediately after it happened. <laughs> As it's happening, actually, we'd be in the middle of the breakup talk and I'd be on the phone with you holding it on speaker being like, say it to Zachariah. Say it to Zach right now. I, and I'm screaming. I'm getting the lawyers on the phone. You will be hearing from Matheson the Matheson in the morning. I just can't picture that reality ever taking place. So that was kind of funny. And then seeing Cleo and Kimmy who are hiding their own big secrets. I'm like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> but I know. Something about Cleo. Cleo's the exact opposite of Sabrina, which is kind of funny because mm-hmm. Harriet, Sabrina, and Cleo are the center three. Everyone else mm-hmm. is partners who have been brought in later. The three of them are the core of the group. And Cleo and Sabrina are so different. Cleo is up front in your face. I know. Cleo is taking up space very like purposefully. And I just think it's interesting. She takes up space intentionally, right? She knows when she needs to be bigger mm-hmm. and when she wants to be smaller. She's she's probably the one in the group that I think has, is probably the most in tune with what's actually going on. I think she it's is. implied that we're supposed to think, yeah, we're supposed to think that Harriet is the one who has like the most insight mm-hmm. into how everybody's feeling. No, Not it, it really is Cleo. The entire time, Cleo's like, is anything wrong? Are you okay? Like, we know. Cleo knows. And Cleo's also the first one to, and I want to, we can take this out if this is a spoiler. Cleo's the first one to break. Cleo's the first one to break from pattern. The first one to say, no, 
oh my God, I need to talk to you. Like you are running us around this stupid state. <laughs> like stop. Honestly, I don't even care if it's a spoiler. I want to leave this in because it's, it was bound to happen with the setup that we're providing. Yeah, true. <laughs> but like, you know, Cleo's the one they sit through like a long ass movie and Cleo's the one being like, why did we do that? We could have spent the last five mm -hmm. hours talking to each other, but instead we sat in silence watching a movie no one wanted to actually watch. And that's like- Salem's Lot of all yeah. movies is, or miniseries, excuse me. So honestly, this is our friend group. This is the group of people we're following and they have been so much together, like through so much together. You know, it's very clear mm -hmm. that there's a lot of history here. But because of distance and because of life and the same things that cause it in real life, there's a natural separation that no one is acknowledging. Yeah. And I yeah. really don't think that there's a person alive who can't relate to that, who can't look yeah. at the breakdown of a longstanding relationship and see nothing that pertains to them. I really enjoyed this idea of like the core three potentially, quote unquote, breaking up. But then you have these additional three, the partners who were kind of like, oh man, if we if I if we lose this, I also lose so much more. And so there feels like this this pressure is applied to the core three. Even if it's not direct pressure, it is still pressure to, I don't know, react with this in some way, address this. There's a lot of overlap of Kimmy and Parth's, I think, uh personalities. Yeah. I think, which is what makes it very fun to like watch it happen that Cleo and Sabrina, who are opposites, attracted the same type of person. Yeah. And so that's what I thought was very interesting to watch. I, I do like the fact that, you know, like we said, and I think we've been alluding to this whole time, the romance isn't in your face. No, this isn't a rom-com. This is not like the other Emily Henry books. So if you haven't given an Emily Henry book a chance because you're not really into rom-coms, try this one out. Just give it a whirl. Yeah. Because at its core, Emily Henry is just a good writer. You'll just get a book that yeah. you've enjoyed because it was well written. And Zach, this is funny because uh, you did not read this in the document, I don't think. But earlier in the podcast, you talked about how much you hate the miscommunication trope. The next thing that I wrote mm -hmm. is, the miscommunication trope is one of my least favorite tropes. <laughs> because I think <laughs> I literally wrote that down. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that in the notes. <laughs> when you were saying it, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I literally hate it. I don't know. It's the worst. I understand why the trope exists because this is the thing that is so common in friendships, in intimate relationships, in familial relationships mm -hmm. where you just either miscommunication or no communication, Yeah. right? There's just this block for whatever reason and people are afraid to do something that might ruffle feathers. If you keep the water calm all the time, your boat is not going to sail. And that's what really bugs me, right? You're not going to be able to literally move forward. They just so happen to be in Maine and they go sailing. So I'm trying to tie in all the nautical themes. It's therapy, Zach, coming in hot with a new metaphor. I'm dead. With a new metaphor. You heard it here first. The romance was not in your face. And I loved that. And I've said this before. I don't want romance to be like the main driver of the whole kit and caboodle. What I want is like a subplot sometimes, like Legends and Lattes, the subplot was that there's a romance that was kind of blossoming, right? And all these other books that I've read, it's just, it's there, but it's not like, oh my God, everything depends on these two people at the end of the story, loving it and being together. Second chance romances, I might have to start giving more of a shot to, yeah. because that's what this 
is second chances are a thing that I know very well because I don't like to screw up. So when I do screw up, I'm the first to ask for a second chance at something. I can do it better. I promise you, I will make everything right. Mm-hmm. And not everything is done right in this book, no. but I did enjoy how it ended. Um, but I have some quibbles, but I did enjoy how it ultimately ended. I was just going to say, do you have anything that you wish wasn't included or would have changed? Or like, what are your quibbles? Okay. I think my my biggest quibble is that when actively was refusing to acknowledge the thing that he wanted or how he felt, mm-hmm. I wanted more sooner. Mm-hmm. I wanted when to start breaking a little bit more. Quit acting like you are just some sad boy who... Stop it. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, this is the thing I wanted to say about him. In some ways, he was starting to feel like Aiden from Sex in the City to me. Mm. And it was bugging Yikes. me because I'm like, if you're supposed to be the one, quit acting like number two. You need to get in there and you need to do it. But that's the thing. <laughs> like, that was his whole plot point is being I know. a martyr. He martyrs himself to be like, I'm doing this for you. And I'm reading it and I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're fucking not. You coward. (laughs) God damn it. You are a coward. But he gets better. He gets better. Yeah. Yeah. We're really painting him in a bad light because no, we're painting him in a bad light. But Harriet, I felt the same way with kind of. I'm a little bit softer on Harriet because I know what it feels like to give all of yourself to a thing that you think you want to do. And then you realize, holy shit, I've had to give up 80% of myself to do this thing, and it's bringing me no joy. Yeah, Harriet's rough. And Harriet's rough, dude, but she could also, you know, benefit from some therapy and medication. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Everyone forever. I feel like that's something- Maybe we- not Kimmy. Maybe not Maybe Kimmy. Maybe not Kimmy. Honestly, <laughs> Kimmy is- She's the most well-adjusted human. <laughs> Kimmy's doing her own fucking thing. I think if I were mm-hmm. to say my quibbles, I'm mm. never a super fan of a bunch of flashbacks. This was done well. Oh. I didn't feel like I lost my mm-hmm. my space or anything like that. But I did kind of get bored of it uh, towards the end where I was mm. like, okay, s- s- stop. I get it. I understand. I get the full picture of what happened here. I need them to grow now. I need real life mm-hmm. to start. I think I, I, I wouldn't have done none of them, but definitely fewer. And I wish that we had gotten even more about Parth. I feel like he was kind of a whole, yeah. you know, I wanted to know more about him and Sabrina. And I would love if she would do like a little spinoff of the two of them because they seem very fun. <laughs> it would be really fun if she did three books, yeah. each of the couples kind of being the focal point, but it telling like one whole unified story. Emily Henry, if you're listening, we are happy to help workshop this. We are. <laughs> we know you need <laughs> We're us. We're here for you. So. We know you need We us. participated no, in kidding. NaNoWriMo, so those are our credentials. <laughs> My credentials are I've read one of your books and I'm ready to help you with a second. Um, (laughs) I think my big quibble is at some point I knew what was going to happen. It almost fell into this trap of just like someone giving up XYZ to do XYZ. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm trying to be really non-spoilery here. So I'm sorry. I didn't want the person who ended up giving up something to have to give up that thing entirely unless that person wanted to do it. Do you know what I'm do you know what I'm getting at here? I'm being really vague. <laughs> what a joy to listen to. <laughs> wow, I know people are going to love that. 
People are going to be like, hmm, interesting. No idea anyway. what he's talking about. <laughs> I actually think we needed, or I maybe I wanted, two additional short chapters. I wanted a flashback that was just Harriet and her parents, and then another one that was just Wynn and his parents. Mm. I think I wanted those two things. I don't know what I want them to serve, but I think I wanted... Basically, I wanted them to be the thing that made me later feel even more anguish. I wanted it to set up and be like, oh, remember when it was just so simple? Remember when it was so easy? Right? That's kind of what I wanted more of. My last one here, just the last little quibble I have, is that I wanted more sibling stuff. More of Eloise and Harriet growing their relationship. We got a little bit towards the end, but I would like a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the snobbery that surrounds reading this type of book. I don't want to get too much into it, but I would like to talk about it. I would like to tell a little story. In almost every hobby, you will have people who think that they like it more than you, that they have a claim to it more than you do because you're not doing it right by their standard. Mm -hmm. I picked this book up at my local indie bookstore. And, uh, I went in and I was talking with the girl uh, behind the counter and I asked her if they had any more copies of Emily Henry's new book. And immediately I was hit with the, ugh, yeah, they're over there. Oh my God. And I knew you can tell like right away. It's the same people on record store day when you ask if they have like the new LP of Taylor Swift or 1975 who are like, you're not a real collector actually. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. People are allowed to enjoy silly things. This is not a silly book. This is a sad book. This is one of her more serious books. But even when I was buying Book Lovers, even when I was buying Beach Read, you are allowed to like a silly, fluffy romance book. It is okay. 100%. It does not Mm -hmm. have to be Emily Henry because there are always going to be issues with authors and things like that. You're allowed to like it. You can read a romance yeah. book and that can be enough. You can listen Absolutely. to Taylor Swift and that can be enough. There is a lot of snobbery on both sides because then, you know, it's people like me, right? I've read all of Emily Henry's books and I really like it. And I'm excited to share her books with other people who are mm-hmm. interested in them. There are people who have read them and are like, mm-hmm. you don't really get it. Like, you don't understand what she's really trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a break. They- oh, my God. this The snobbery kills me because – what did they want you to buy? Like great expectations? Like what were they fucking wanting you to purchase, <laughs> Jack Kerouac. Michaela? I promise you, Jack Kerouac. 90% of the time it's Jack Kerouac. <laughs> we get it, just, it. It just pisses me off. The people at my indie bookstore were so sweet. They were just like, oh, we have the new Emily Henry book. We also have this other sapphic book that has been like signed by the author. They were they were so lovely. They were like ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then I asked them for the N.K. Jemison books, which are, you know, sci-fi fantasy. And they're like, oh, it's right here. And they were like, no judgment in their voice. I think I am guilty of this a number of years ago. I would probably look at some of these fluffy romances and be like, oh, I don't know that that's what I want to read. I wasn't like maybe looking down on the person that was reading it, but I might have been looking down on the book itself. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, I'm not into that. Anybody else that feels that way, that you just only sit in the sci-fi fantasy world, don't let yourself turn into win where you keep all of your emotions inside, where you don't let yourself experience joy, where you don't let yourself experience love. 
Mm. This was lovely. And honestly, I wish I could read it again for the first time. Yeah. I was, re- I really, really liked it. It also gave me a lot of Barbie vibes. So I'm liking that the Barbie movie for is sure. coming out for and, sure. and this is happening. Love all the hot pink. I'm a big fan. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Big, <laughs> big fan. I get your head out of your ass though. Pick up something outside of your typical thing. And uh, I could go on this tangent, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, I just think that my, if I could create a slogan for us right now, uh, not everything needs to be content with a capital C and include a message with mm. a capital M. Things can just yeah. exist. You're allowed to just like things. And if exactly. you go to your bookstore and you ask somebody who's wearing, you know, Doc Martens and vintage overalls, <laughs> if you can find the Emily Henry book and they look at you like you just spat on them, <laughs> don't let them get you down. It doesn't matter. I am a librarian. I've been a librarian for a long time. I've worked in the books mm-hmm. book world for a long time. And the number one thing I've taken away is I don't care what you're reading. I care that you're reading. You can read whatever 100%. the fuck you want. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Period. No one should judge you for it. And, uh, you know, that, of course before people take it out of context i do not mean problematic authors or problematic products yeah. <laughs> that have dip- the actual issues that are actually harmful in the real world yeah 100%. obviously there are lines for everything but it's okay to like a bright pink romance book you're allowed to do that speaking of taylor swift and this will be our last little thing here speaking i know you mentioned liking our hot pink romance of- book speaking of taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> There's this kind of joke online. Taylor has so many of these. Uh, Taylor, we're on a first name basis, has so many of these songs that are coded as different books, or people say that they are all these different things. Mm-hmm. While I was reading this book, though, I absolutely did be, I was like, oh, this person is this. This vibe is this. I understand exactly what's going on through this song. And for the Swifties out there, I've written down a couple that are absolutely obvious, but if you are a Swifty and you're hearing this, please find us somewhere, make a comment and let us know which songs you actually thought that this book was coded as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if these aren't the ones, then I don't know. Then I just, then I just don't know. Michaela, would you like to help me read these off? <laughs> yeah. So I would love to open with the one that Miss Emily Henry actually said this book <gasps> reminds her of. If I Wait, is that real? I didn't know that. That's real. Yeah, no. She says, uh, she says Mirrorball. <gasps> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Miss Emily Henry herself this is on the list. has said uh, it's Mirrorball coded, which makes perfect sense because Harriet is yeah. on her tallest tip- tiptoes, uh, twirling in her highest heels, love shining just for you. And uh, an it, exact scene happens. <laughs> uh, in the book. You'll see. <laughs> it is it is very much her but yeah i i think the one that i added to the list that i think is fairly mm. obvious and actually i would apply more to sabrina than i yeah. would anyone else is champagne problems i oh, think yeah. you know talking about how they used to deck the halls just for us and now they're doing it for other people and don't uh think we'll say that word again about <laughs> our friends i think um I think it's fairly obvious why champagne problems applies to this group of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I made this list of songs focused more on maybe the main couple yeah. rather than the entire group of friends. However, the one that was the group of friends for me, You're On Your Own Kid, mm. 
just like the very last bit of that song, you know, like where she's being like, just be in the moment, do the thing, right? You don't need to depend on X, Y, Z. Just be there with your people. Yeah. Which is really, really nice at the end of it. The ones for the couple, uh, peace. Um, now, do you uh, think that that's Harriet or do you think that that's Wynn? Because I know who I think yes. it is. I think it's Wynn more than it's Harriet. Oh, it's so funny because I think that if this was a, if it, if it was a music video, they would both be singing it about the other person. Mm. I think they both feel this way. Um, oh, I forgot to put one on here. Um, Afterglow. Um, uh, honestly, listen to those lyrics. I'm the one who burned us but down. But it's not what I meant. <laughs> but it's not I'm what I sorry meant. Sorry that I hurt oh, you. Oh my gosh. I don't want to do this to you. I don't want to do this to you. And I put treacherous on here. It's a little bit of like a. I think in the later days song. of their relationship, I think yeah, because yeah, they were like, oh, but my friend Absolutely. likes you, and I'm not supposed to like you, and this could blow up our friend group. But ooh, I know. And then like, okay, I know we're getting a little bit, you know, out here. If you don't know any of these songs, I would suggest listening to them. But when you're in a good state of mind, you know, you're songs. already sad. The Swifties, yeah, they're listening. So obviously, Peace, Daylight, Treacherous, This Is Me Trying is one of my top favorite songs of Taylor. And this is absolutely part of that. But every single person that's here could be the one singing this song. That's that's the problem here is that this friend group is, they're a patchwork of each other. But at the same time, someone has taken scissors to the fabric and they don't quite know how to stitch it all back together. And they're pretending that there aren't holes. Mm -hmm. That's really what this book is. The other one, I would say, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this will be my Mm -hmm. number one pick. This is the one, if I had to pick one song, this is it. Maroon. (laughs) It's Maroon. I'm it's maroon gotta go uh it's quite literally maroon (laughs) it's quite literally maroon in in a lot of ways uh but I feel like occasionally Harriet has that attitude of I didn't put this song on here but like paper rings like I'd marry you with paper rings I don't care what I need to do I'll just take you as you are oh my god dancing with their hands tied I mm, I wrote that down but I didn't put it in I know. Fantastic. Um, Are we just going to read out her whole discography now? (laughs) Are we just going to read out all of these? (laughs) We loved this book. I think this is a great, great read. I do kind of wish that I knew like we we wanted to read it for the podcast. So I knew we were going to read it right away. I do kind of wish Mm. that I was reading it on the beach like in the summertime. But that's okay. I'll forgive it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pages Unknown. As we said at the top of the episode, we've got new stuff out every Wednesday. The best way to stay up to date with that is to follow us on TikTok, to follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. And if you have the opportunity to give us a little rating, we would very much appreciate it. We'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.